Thanks for watching our podcast. Here at Spear Consulting, our services include business strategy and human resources consulting. In HR, we offer executive search, executive coaching, and work psychology consulting. Please visit us at spiritmco.com, where we fulfill our clients' dreams virtuously. Enjoy your show. Welcome back to the Leading Virtuously podcast. Today on the show, we've got Trevor uh, Bonat. Uh, if I just butcher that, we probably might have to start over. I realize that I probably should. That <laughs> Don't worry about it. I've, I've had much worse, so you know, it's fine. Yeah so, yeah, so Trevor, who are you? Uh, it's great to be on, uh, Chris, uh, to be this podcast with you. Uh, I'm the Chief Mission Officer for Trinity Health Pace and Trinity Health at Home. They're two continuing care business lines um, as part of Trinity Health, um, the broad Trinity Health uh, healthcare system. Sure. So, so yeah. So when you help us, for those that are not within the healthcare industry, can you kind of like break that down of what that means so people can get a better sense of your, your business background? Sure. So um, if you, uh, if you get ill and go to the hospital, you're going into an acute care setting. Mm -hmm. And then if you need anything after that uh, hospital stay um, in your home, that's where Trinity Health at Home would take over and take care of your post-acute um, care needs. So, you know, whether it be PT, OT, or, you know, nursing care, those sorts of things. So that's, that's one aspect of it. And Trinity Health Pace is a comprehensive, um, all-inclusive um, care program for uh, underprivileged, frail elderly uh, in the community. And about 30 states have PACE programs where we take care of all of the, um, our participants' needs, whether it's transportation, um, healthcare, uh, any dietary needs, rec therapy, those sorts of things. So it's a really innovative um, care program for the frail elderly. So I work in both of those. I, I work in the leadership teams of both of those um, business lines within the broader Trinity Health. Got it, Trevor. Um, so what is like the total employee count on, on both sides of those different divisions? Um, I would say we have probably among the two, probably around 3,000 employees. Okay. Um, and then uh, Trinity Health is a $17 billion um, organization with, um, you know, tens and, you know, I think probably closer to 100,000 employees at least. And so, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a gargantuan. We have 94 hospitals, um, you know, and uh, uh, across the United States. So it's a big, uh, it's a big health organization. So. Great. Um, so Trevor, how did you get to the leadership position that you're in today? So. Chris, in high school and college, uh, I had kind of one thing in mind, and I, I went to Catholic uh, high schools and, and uh, Catholic high school and a Catholic college, and um, I kind of had one desire, really, and that one desire was to serve um, to serve the greater community, mostly underserved populations, if I could, and um, participate sort of in something greater than myself. I mean, to, just to make it very simple. And so the easiest way for me to do that was to get into education. So I went to, um, I got a degree in classics and religious studies, and I uh, became a theology teacher um, after I, I was worked overseas for a couple of years in a volunteer program um, and uh, uh, was a theology teacher for a number of years. 
Um, I got a degree in school administration and a, and a master's in theology and eventually ended up being a principal of a couple different Catholic high schools, um, one in New Hampshire and one in St. Louis uh, for about nine years um, and um, loved the work, loved uh, being uh, in a leadership position in, in Catholic schools. Um, and in, in, we were, their Catholic schools are kind of like independent schools. They're run like businesses. Um, so you have to worry about income. You have to worry about um, enrollment and um, uh, tuition and, you know, all those things that you would, there, there are a lot of analogies to, to a small business. And so, um, so I really love that side of the side of the work, especially also in innovation. We did an incredible amount of work in innovation. So, so I was in Catholic school leadership and, and um, I would have continued but for a conversation I had with a friend of mine's wife who was in Catholic uh, mission, Catholic healthcare mission. And um, in hearing her talk about doing formation with adults, doing board formation, working with, um, working with doctors and um, nurses on how they can deepen their understanding of their, the meaning of their work um, and the expression of our core values through the work that they were doing. I was like, gosh, you know what? That sounds a lot like what I'm doing now, <laughs> you know, like, like I, I think there's, it, it, there's leadership so many times is just naming the good that you see in front of you because people get used to just doing things, you know, you know, they think they do, they think they do, they think they do, which is great. Um, it's very productive, but the think reflect and do or think do and then reflect is something that's kind of broadly what, what mission does. And so we're able to enliven sort of our mission and core values, our North Star, where are we going um, on a day-to-day -day basis? And whether that's in the boardroom or that, whether that's in a, in a uh, patient's room, that's where mission works. And so I was like, well, gosh, that sounds great. So um, I eventually, uh, an opportunity presented itself. We were in St. Louis at the time. An opportunity presented itself to move back to the East Coast. And um, I got a job working for uh, Mercy Health System in the um, Philadelphia area. We actually live in Maryland, but I got this great uh, job in um, Philadelphia. So I commuted up and, and did the work that I'm explaining to you right now. So last summer, Mercy Health System merged formally with Trinity Health. And um, I, instead of having a regional role, I now have a national role. So I, I work with um, all of our healthcare agency, health, home health agencies across the country, and also all of our pay centers across the country. Hmm. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing. That's a, that's a great story. And it's interesting how side conversations outside of the workplace could, could completely shift someone's career. Isn't that incredible? You know, it was literally a dinner conversation, you know, so, uh, so, uh, you know, you got to pay attention to those things. So, so I got two questions. One, I wanted to talk, uh, follow up with you about just the actual work itself. And then the other question I, I had for you, which is, you know, I think your your parents need a huge kudos and and uh, and some affirmation here from the work that they did. I know in 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 high school I was a hundred percent self focused, not thinking about the greater good at all. So just kind of curious, Trevor, you know why why you you were different in that regard? Gosh, I don't. You know what I think it is. I, I think hmm. That's a great question. And I've tried to, I've, I've reflected upon that quite a bit. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm no uh, uh, angel there, Chris, you know, I, I had plenty of uh, uh, self-indulgent times in my life, uh, but 
I'll, I'll say this. Um, my dad was a small business uh, owner, so he was actually a pizza, pizza hut franchisee. Um, one of the original ones, actually, he tossed pizzas at the original pizza hut. And uh, I, I grew up noticing the care that he gave for his employees um, and almost, you know, the, in, in actually in, in Trinity, we talk about caritas, just like kind of, um, over kind of overwhelming love or over overflowing love, you know, and generosity. And that can be, you can do that to a fault very easily in a business setting. But my dad was a very, was very much like that. So I think I learned a lot from him in, in that regard. Um, I also went in Catholic schools, you have to do service. And so I really, really took to doing uh, community service and Christian service um, in, um, through high school and college. So that was probably the other thing, but that was more of my volition than, than, you know, environmental, um, you know, influences. Well, thank you for affirming the work that uh, my wife and I are doing with my two sons. We uh, have been making it a mission to uh, a couple times uh, a year to have them go with us to go feed the homeless. And it's mm -hmm. not like a structured ministry or nonprofit it's just a matter of, you know, having them help us pack some lunches. Then we head out into the city and pass out lunches to uh, the homeless and care packages to them that include socks too. And that, yep. what are their, what are their impressions of that? I mean, what are their thoughts, you know, on the drive home, I'd be fascinated. I, this is not part of this, uh, this podcast, but it's a really interesting, I think kids really have really keen insights into things sometimes, you know, I just, I don't know. I didn't know if you had any yeah, they, they grew up into like a, in a very affluent area. So that's something that, you know, for my parents, they, every Christmas we would go and, and uh, work at food kitchens, which just like takes you out of that little bubble that you're used yeah. to. Up in. And it, I, one like really quick, but really cute story was my, um, my six-year-old had this balloon that he wanted to bring with us. And, and, you know, it's kind of like you're driving the kids, you know, hitting the balloon behind your head and you're just like, <laughs> oh, you know, but we, we let it, you know, we let it slide or whatever. We were, you know, just driving into the city. We're about a, about a 30, 40 minute drive. And, and uh, after the second guy that we had given the care package to, Carter actually was like, he, he actually like was like, excuse me, sir. And he gave the balloon to the homeless guy. And yeah, they were, I mean, anytime, it doesn't matter what age you are, when you go off and see other people that are living in the conditions that some of the homeless, unfortunately, live in, it definitely, mm -hmm. it definitely takes you out of, out of um, your comfort zone and, and helps you realize like, oh, there's more to life that's going on here than, than, you know, just the, how I, you know, as you were saying, like all these indulgences that I have in my life and all these blessings mm -hmm. to just like, you know, remember that there's other people out there and to be able to, you know, just open your eyes to the, to the gratitude that you can have in your life. Yeah. And I think that dissonance there, there's dissonance that's built up in, in, inside our heads, you know, and I know my daughter's experienced this, you know, there's like a, a, a tension between their, their life and the life that's, that, that they see. And they know they enter into the, they can enter into on, on some level, the lives of somebody else. They're like, wow, there's a real difference here. And it's not right. And that's and, and that that um, tension, that creative tension, um, is something that that I really want to be fostering in our daughters. You know, just to, and honestly, I mean, to get back to mission work, that's really um, part of mission work is create is is raising the tension um, in a in a um, leadership team meeting um, 
at times, you know, it, honestly, like I have a great leadership team. So like, I don't, we don't really have to do this very often, but, but every once in a while, like, Hey, gosh, you know what, this program might, might be, um, uh, at, at some tension with our core value of stewardship, or it might be tension our core, core value of um, reverence, you know, for example. Um, so uh, it doesn't happen very often, but I feel like that's part of our job is to slow things down, gum things up a little bit such that we're being very intentional and to have those different perspectives, you know, especially the perspective of those, those uh, whom we serve, you know, in healthcare, that's, a, that's super important for us. So, yeah, that was kind of that's that's starting to funnel into the additional question I had for you, Trevor, which is like, you know, sometimes maybe outsiders outside of a Catholic or a, a religious health system may look at like a, a mission officer as like, well, that's a guy that like is in the corner. He prays before the meeting and then the meeting starts and they just kind of sit there taking notes. But I was just kind of curious, like if you could break down some like tangible work that you do in the meetings uh, that that encompasses the work as a chief mission officer. And you sure. Told, you, I mean, you were telling us some of those of like, if you're in a meeting and you're talking about operational planning and they're starting to go shift away from the values that, that you know, you hold as the chief mission officer to help them kind of like steer it back, steer the ship back and to mm -hmm. bring that outside perspective. Right. So, so certainly I do reflections. We have every meeting in Trinity Health there's a reflection at the beginning of every meeting. And so I either do the reflection or I help organize those, those sorts of things. So that, that, it, that does happen. So I am the guy in the corner praying every once in a while. Okay. <laughs> that <laughs> um, sounds like an awesome role too. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not bad. Huh? Yeah, I'll take it. Um, and uh, the, so here's some other, the other things that i gosh, maybe I should have thought about like what I did today. So um, HR. So, you know, sometimes in, in uh, human resource, in, you know, when you're in human resources, you have to have difficult conversations with people, or there might be, um, you know, how do you, how do you uh, help somebody, help coach somebody who might be um, struggling a little bit? Um, so I work with HR, kind of hand in glove with HR at times to uh, help support uh, colleagues who are experiencing difficulties or challenges. Or I've even done some kind of uh, leadership or slash executive co coaching. Executive, I wouldn't say executive coaching. Oh yeah. Um, with, uh, with some folks that were leaders that were struggling. So, um, so I can come in and help be a reflective presence with them and help them, um, with some, some basic leadership challenges that they might have. So that's just an example. It's kind of in the HR realm. Um, also, uh, we have, uh, um, community benefit in, in healthcare. We have, a, as part of, um, the ACA, we have community benefit, uh, monies that we need to spend for the benefit of the, for, that's what it says for the benefit of the community. Mm -hmm. So I help, I help our um, ministries. We call, we sometimes we call our organization ministries engage the greater community. So um, there's a lot, lot to be done in terms of um, public health and, and community health. So what I can, what I help do is help engage the greater community in um, uh helping sort of in, increase the baseline health of, a, of, a, of an area. So, um, so we have a whole shop of community health and well-being um, uh, office um, or department, um, and I help support that sort of work. Um, so that might be another thing. Um, another thing is I, I get to do a lot of our hospitals were founded by Catholic sisters, um, congregations. And um, if you ever want to read 
about some of the most incredible women in American history. You, you won't go very far without, uh, uh, without reading about a, a, a religious sister. And it's been a real joy working with them over the last few years, especially the Sisters of Mercy in Philadelphia. Um, so I help um, carry on their legacy. You know, I help tell stories about the Sisters of Mercy. And so, and then weave what we're doing now into these hundreds of years stories, really, you know? And so when, when you're talking about um, efficacy, you know, of a leadership team, when we know that we're doing something that has a, well, a 200 year history, and then in a Catholic perspective, you know, a 2000 year history, or actually from a Jewish perspective, you know, a 5,000 year history, we're participating in something that's been going on for 5,000 years, this drama, you know, that's been um, going on for 5,000 years. We work better, we work harder because there's, there is a tangible purpose and an efficacy, like I said, for the work that we're doing. So, um, so that's some of the other things that, that I do. I also, I work with spiritual care. So we think about chaplains. Um, I, I help support chaplains uh, in spiritual care. And then also I have an ethics function. So uh, there might be an ethics uh, issue that uh, might be raised for me. And then I help either solve it or, I, or we, we take it to an ethics committee. So. And do, do chaplains on the home care side, uh, where does the chaplains kind of reside within the org chart? Uh, for so, the business lines that you support. So we have chaplains would be, um, I think the secular sort of side of that would be either a, uh, a therapist or a social worker. Mm -hmm. So they, they work um, at least in, um, in our PACE centers or our elder care centers, um, they work primarily with our participants um, because there's an incredible amount of um, social isolation and um, uh existential challenges that our elders are going through now and, and doubly so because of COVID. So they really work in the trenches to help with that. They also have a secondary um, uh, role in helping our colleagues who might be having uh, you know, difficulties. On the home care side, that's, um, uh, we don't have chaplains in home care, we have chaplains in hospice. So we do part of our home care Kind of portfolio a, a lot of our home care agencies have hospice and there are chaplains that are in hospice so um and that's like um that's all under that umbrella so thank you um uh -huh. trevor what do you see as the the future of catholic health care uh in this country well i think the covid uh, uh is COVID. <laughs> I know, huh? Um, and I think, you know, I, I'm, I, just this past week, just this past week, Chris, I said, listen, I think we can finally start imagining our world post-COVID. Like we have to be able to indulge in um, our imagination of what that's going to look like again. Mm -hmm. You know, um, if we did that in November, I think it would have been a bad news. Um, and but I think it's a good thing now. We need to be imagining what it's going to be like with this behind us, because it because we're it'll come, it'll come. So, um, but it's really rocked the healthcare industry. I mean, it's really um, really evoked an incredible amount of innovation, um, but also it's it's exposed a lot of weaknesses in our healthcare system. And you want to talk about? Um, I, I I say 2020 um, gave us 2020 vision as to what our social and um, cultural and what have you problems are in the United States. And one of those is healthcare. 
So I do see uh, the, they've been saying this actually for like 30 years, but the, the acute care hospitals becoming smaller um, and more distributed out into the community. I mean, I think any one of us have been to a, a surgery center, you know, instead of going to the, the big hospital, you go to a surgery center and then you're out at the end of the day. Um, they're even doing, we, uh, you know, hospital at home, you know, where you, you're, you can get certain procedures at home. So I do see, you know, sort of um, a quickening of this, the contraction of, the, of acute care hospitals. And I'm in the enviable position and an increase in home care and innovative, uh, you know, uh, models for, for the elderly or for the aging. I mean, um, there are, I think there are 10,000 um, people turning 65 every day. Uh, in the United States, um, and that turn's going to continue. And so um, the aging population is going to be the next wave of, um, of healthcare um, uh, expenditures, um, you know, for the next, you know, 20, 30 years at least. And we're not ready for it. Um, and uh, there, I think 25% of uh, Medicare spending is ha happens in the last year of, um, of people's lives. Um, and uh, I don't think we have had conversations, this is kind of almost a side conversation, but a whole nother conversation really. Um, we haven't talked about uh, death uh, in the United States uh, um, in, a, in a reverential, dignified and loving way, the way we need to. Um, and so I think hospice has been a, a, an answer, a, a way of accompanying people in their final chapter in their life. Um, but that's a whole nother um, sort of thing that I think more from a cultural level than anything uh, that we need to be addressing. Um, but, but I'm in a position now where I wanna be accompanying our um, um, organization to, to help us engage that next generation of, of challenge, healthcare challenge in an innovative mission-driven way. So it's exciting. Mm. <clears throat> well, yeah, thank you for, for sharing and, and Spear Consulting, you know, healthcare is one of the, the leading industries that we serve within. So thank you for the vote of confidence that two things, one, that COVID is, is on its way to being out the door. And then number two, that it's, it's a, an industry that only continues to thrive due to the market dynamics around the, the, you know, the aging population that, that needs healthcare, et cetera. So, mm -hmm. so thank you. Um, so where, so Trevor, in your day-to-day -day job, can you tell us a little bit about where virtue and business intersects for you? Sure. Um, it's, fa it's fascinating. I was, I was reflecting on the, 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 the word virtue because it's in your, um, um, it's in your mission or, you know, it's in your, uh, literature, it's on your website and things like that. Um, yeah, you can't virtuous service, right? Your spirit consulting without being slapped with the word virtue. So. <laughs> um, and it's and what's also funny too, sorry, I hate to cut you off, but like if some of my high school and college friends like saw that Chris Gomez is the virtue champion, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so sorry. Anyways, no, no, it's it's uh, it's very uh, it, it's wonderful, and, and and the the cool thing is, um we don't talk about it enough, right? It's, it's an underutilized conversation. And um, I'm in the enviable position where it's my job to bring up virtue um, in, in, our, uh, in our work on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. I'll say that the virtue that's really steered me the most um, in, in my role as a leader 
is, uh, is justice. Mm. So we think about individual, I think, I think in, in general in America, we talk about, when we talk about, um, we tend to talk interpersonally. We tend to talk about individual morality. You know, we're, we're the rugged individualists. We talk about my, my morality, your morality, um, what's right and wrong for me, what's right and wrong from your perspective. Um, and um, we don't talk as much as a corporately. So in my understanding, justice is really, what's, how, do we, how do we live morally as a corporation, as a corporate body? What's that corporate body doing to live virtuously in, in the country? And the way we do it is justice. So giving people their due. Um, you know, uh, paying a living wage, um, delivering the health care that people deserve, you know, at a price that is, uh, that is uh, reasonable, right? Um, I'm caring for those most vulnerable who don't have access to health care in a traditional setting. So delivering I, upon the expectations that we set out into the marketplace of what we say that we're going to do, we're going to deliver upon this. Yeah, I mean, the, another one of our core values is integrity, and it's that's you. You just defined it in, in, exactly. We're gonna say, well, you know, we're gonna do what we say we do, you know, mm -hmm. um, and um, have our actions, um, uh, our words be backed up with actions. So, um, and to be, you know, the the more. So there's all kinds of healthcare, you know, um, organizations, and in, in, in my opinion, um, as a Catholic healthcare organization. You know, our goal is to bury, you know, burrow into that market niche and own it. You know, we are the choice for um, um, healthcare that's full of dignity and personalization and uh, reverence for the individual. Um, and uh, and also, we look outward into our communities to to help elevate the health of underserved communities as well. So we've kind of had this dual role. We are going to do a great job with you while coming, th coming through our door um, from, a, from a care perspective. Like you're going to get the best care. But that's not where we, where we end. The, that care is also part of a greater context. And that greater context is the health of our community. You know, and so we have that both and that we, that we play off of quite a bit. I love that. <clears throat> Well, thank you for sharing. Yeah, and I think that that also uh, kind of just helps even provide even further kind of guidance and insight into both Catholic healthcare for people that are outsiders of that, and then also give even greater uh, information about you know, kind of like your role in as a mission officer for an organization mm -hmm. and and the type of work that you're you're doing as well. Um, yeah, thank you. The one of the questions that it just seems like it just keeps coming back uh, is like, like, you know, in looking at your career in, in the way that you came, that you've been now and have gone into very, the pinnacles of the, the level that you can grow within it in both education and now uh, in healthcare. Kind of just curious if like, if you had the opportunity to, you know, meet your 22 year old self or the person that's right about to graduate college and, and head off into into industry, just curious, like what coaching you would, you would give that individual, give yourself. Mm. It's a great question. I think, so, so a couple of things pop in, pop into mind. Um, there is, um, 
I think there's a lot of questioning you have to do in your internal monologue to make sure that the voices in your head are actually true voices. Okay. So we, you know, there are voices in our head. They say different things, you know, you should do this or let's, let's go, let's go down this career path. Well, let's go down, let's not go down this career path. More importantly, let's not do that. Right. Um, and we got to just make sure that we're listening to the right voices. And I can tell you that a couple of the voices that um, were, I think were probably errant in my head um, was ambition, the voice of ambition. Um, I think there's a, there's a, a place for ambition in, in a career path, um, but ambition can narrow a scope of a career. Um, and I didn't really learn it until I switched careers to realize, wow, I, I left school uh, education and went into healthcare and all the like um, trappings of education that I said 20 years building in terms of, you know, a resume and next steps for me and competencies to run a school better and da, 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 whoosh, gone, right? Now I'm in healthcare, you know, and there are a lot of crossover skills, but ambition would have, would have narrowed my focus down a little too much. And so that's one of them. I think the second, the second thing that I would, um, or second lesson that I would give myself is um, reverence for the, indivi for the individuals along the way. I think, I think uh, you know, I, I like the, the, the Tim Ferriss tribe of mentors, you know, sort of type, type books and things like that, because I think interpersonally attending to attending to individual relationships or something that I think I did a decent job on. But if I were, if I were to talk to my 22 year old self, um, I, I think I would now where I am now, I'd have a lot more relationships um, to, to draw on. Um, and so I think, I think that's probably the second thing would be to real attention, real attention to um, reverencing the individuals in my life and keeping up with them. So. It's, it's interesting that you say that because it's like, I've found that there's a couple different themes that have been continuing to pop up with, with so many uh, of the leaders that, that come on this. And, and I know that, you know, uh, due to your work and, and prior conversations, like you were a Christian and a Catholic and, uh, and, but there's, there's been people that are atheists that come on the, the show mm -hmm. as well. But what seems to just pop up is that, is that, like everyone has had people that uh, mentors or, or guideposts that come into their lives to help them kind of like move them into the, the next place of leadership or, or just to be there in their lives to guide them along the journey. And mm -hmm. it's interesting that you bring that up about, about really like reverend, like reverencing those individuals to really appreciate those relationships instead of always just kind of like, what is the next thing that I have to focus on? Because, you know, sometimes it's so easy to, to be like, all right, yeah, this person's like, great, they've done great work. For me, they like really care for me. But I've got this other stuff that I need to do. And then just kind of like let that fall by the wayside. Right, there, right. They're like, in, in particular for you, was there maybe relationships early on that you, you may have not um, been able to, you know, I guess, appreciate that, that investment that that person was making into your life? Um, I can't think of, 
I can't think of uh, any relationships that I like particularly tanked or anything, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, Chris, but I can, I can think but about I can, 15. Of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I can say that I can, I can say that um, uh, I would have been helped along the way if I were, I think in the consistency in maintaining those relationships, you know, and actually, you know, I, 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 there are, there are a couple older guys that I, that I met along the way and they weren't part, they weren't mentors or anything like that. They, I just kind of befriended we through any numbers of serendipity, you know, we, we got together and um, I call them every once in a while, like every kind of every six months, you know, the, these older gentlemen who, you know, they've lived their lives, they're retired. And so it's fun to like, sort of have that, you know, um, have the, that wisdom. I just wish that I would have had more, a more consistent relationship along the way, just check-ins and things like that. Because, you know, now that I'm older, I'm kind of beginning to realize it's mutually beneficial. Mm. You know, it's not just a one-way street in terms of the, what you get from, from a mentor relationship. Um, and uh, so, you know, I'm not saying I could offer very much, but I think the relationship is, um, you know, as you know, right, it's, it can be really tough at the top and it can be tough. And, and so to be able to engage people um, is, can only be, could, would, can and would only be uh, beneficial, so. Excellent. Well, well, thank you for sharing as well. <clears throat> Was that, do we, do we have a dog that uh, is popping into the park? Oh, did he, did he walk by? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, he he had um he had surgery all the uh yeah he had surgery last week and so he's been he's been kind of needy so he's been he's been in my in, in my room quite a bit just kind of looking at me and and sleeping so yeah but he's doing fine yeah no worries and yeah just a yeah I just I can't speak enough about how intentional fellowship is so critical and it, it's definitely it's going to do two things one it'll stretch you. If you, if you choose to stay in a relationship and to have an honest and be honest in that relationship um, and, and it's, and it's a good, healthy relationship, it'll definitely stretch you and make you grow as you share feedback with each other, as you rub each other the wrong way from time to time. And then the second thing, it's like all the other benefits that come with, with being able to leverage, you know, both each other's wisdom that you've gained from life. And so, no, I love that. Thank you for, for sharing as well. So Trevor, how can people, oh, I'm sorry. sorry. Just real quick. So to, to that point, um, on ne- on this Friday, this coming Friday, um, we are having a Zoom reunion with, I think probably 15 of us, 12 to 15 of us uh, who all served out in Micronesia together. We were all volunteers out in Micronesia together for two years. And we haven't gotten back together in, gosh, over 10 years. And so- you want to talk about that was a really intense fellowship experience that we had, you know, in our early twenties. And um, I can guarantee you, cause it happens every single time. Once you experience a, the a meaningful relationship, you kind of almost can't go back. Like you need the, to be challenged. You need to experience the care and the love of somebody, of somebody else or, and really more, almost more importantly, a community too. You know, and so once you experience a community, a loving community that stretches you, that that calls you to be your greatest self, gosh, it's hard to go back to, you know, drinking on a Friday night, you know, with, a, you know, going out, you know, it's like a, that's a different, you know, sort of thing. So, um, yeah, so sorry, that's that's just popped in my head as you were talking about it. Yeah, no worries. Well, uh, I'm 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 uh, hopeful for the person that that hears this part of our discussion that needs to hear that. 
and and can recognize you know the genuineness that both of us are coming from as we talk about these loving relationships that stretch us versus you know some toxic relationships and as you're mentioning like when you get to that place and you go back to some of these dysfunctional you know groupings of people you're just like what am I, you know, this is, this is not where I need to be. Yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah, so, so that's good. Uh, so Trevor, yeah, I was going to ask you, how can people get a hold of the work that uh, y'all are doing? Well, you can see the work that we're doing. Um, the web, the websites are trinityhealthpace.org. It's pretty simple or trinityhealthathome.org. So those are the two business lines that I, or two ministries that I serve. Um, and, um, you know, I'm on LinkedIn and, um, you know, knocking around the internet. Um, so, uh, you know, you can certainly get in touch with me through probably through LinkedIn would probably be the easiest thing to do. So great. Well, okay. we'll have all of those uh, links into uh, the, the show notes and uh, it was so good to be able to reconnect with you and, and hear some more about the work that you guys are doing and appreciate you uh, serving on the podcast as well. Thank you so much, Chris. It was a real pleasure. Absolutely. All right. Wish you the best. Take care. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey, Chris here. Hope you enjoyed the episode where we discussed all things going bald. (laughs) Just joking. The Leading Virtuously podcast. If you enjoyed the episode and the podcast, will you please subscribe on YouTube or Apple Podcasts or Spotify? Or you could also share it with a friend. That would be tubular. I hope you have an awesome day.